This podcast is brought to you by real-life captioned eroticas. Check the link in the description for the sexy, visualized stories of your dreams. The next story is posted by user erotictube.com. From r slash erotica, the title of this post is The French Lover. Sit back and enjoy the story. It was a Thursday and on Thursdays I beat Pollen home because she had to get the payroll out where she worked. On the nights I got home first I usually made diner. I decided on meatloaf. I was just taking it out of the oven when Pollen walked in. After a hug and a kiss Polly said, I have a surprise for you. Come with me. I followed her out the front door and she pointed to the driveway where sat a brand new Silverado 4x4 crew cab was sitting. She handed me a set of keys and said, All your baby. I bought it fully loaded. It even has on star. My god Polly, you know we can't afford to buy something like that right now. There is way we can fit the payments on that into our budget. There aren't any payments lover. We own it free and clear. Free and clear. Yep. Don't owe a dime on it. All it cost me was a blow job. A blow Joe. Jesus Christ Paulin, what have you done now? I met Paulin at a bar I frequent. I was there trying to drown my sorrows after breaking up with my fiancé. Of course I'd been in there doing it every Friday and Saturday for the last two months. Bev and I had been an item all through four years of college. My parents had a graduation party for me and during it I took a knee and asked Bev to become my wife. Bev said yes and the mothers were turned loose to plan the wedding. Three weeks before the wedding she told me she had met someone else and handed me back my ring. It was a Friday night and on weekends the bar had a band. I was sitting at the bar with a jack with water back sitting on the bar in front of me and thinking I need to get out of the place. There were too many people having too much fun to suit me given the mood I was in. I had just picked up my drink intending to chug it down and then get up and leave when there was a tug on my arm and a feminine voice said, I need you. I turned and found a very, very attractive woman standing there. A little confused by the I need you I said excuse me. I need you. I want to dance and you are the only single guy here. I need a dance partner. I sat there and looked at her. No girl had ever come up to me and asked me to dance so it was a unique situation for me, but unique or not I really wasn't in the right mood. I was all set to say sorry, but I don't think it would be a good idea when Karen who had apparently overheard what was going on said. Do it Rob, you need to get out of the funk you have been in. Tell you what, you do it and you and the young lady will drink for free the rest of the night. Free booze. I could get behind that. I let the woman pull me off the barstool, and on the way to the dance floor she said, I'm Paulin and you are. I'm Rob. There was something infectious about Paulin and I actually enjoyed myself with her and somehow she managed to get me to ask her for a date on Saturday and Saturday's date led to several more. On our second date she told me that Karen was her cousin and had talked her into approaching me. I liked Paulin. I liked her a lot, but I was leery of getting involved with her. Nothing against Paulin, but Bev had left me in pretty much of a mess. I don't know that I would have taken things any farther than just dating. But then Paulin took that decision away from me. We were at Adolfo's having dinner before going dancing when I heard hello Rob and I looked up to see Bev. Hello Bev? The Bev asked Paulin. I nodded a yes and Paulin stood up and said, Get your skanky ass away from here bitch. He's mine now and if you don't want your eyes scratched out you'd best get. Bev got a surprised look on her face, turned and practically ran from the table. I'm yours now. Got a problem with it. I smiled a bit and then whined please please don't hurt me. I'll be good. Promise. She laughed and called me a goof. Four months later we were married in a civil ceremony, and her cousin Karen was one of the witnesses. Life with Pollen was an adventure. I guess she is what would be called a free spirit. She never did what you would expect a normal girl to do in certain situations. 
One night we had gone out for drinks and dancing. Paulin loved to dance, me, not so much. She would be out on the floor for every song if she could be. But I only felt like doing one out of every two or three. To keep Paulin happy I never said no if someone else asked her to dance. We were at the Alhambra lounge and had just sat down at our table after doing a foxtrot and a guy came up and asked me if he could have a dance with Paulin. I looked at her and she nodded her head yes so I told the guy I wouldn't mind. They were about halfway through the dance when Paulin pulled away from him, grabbed a drink from the closest table and threw the drink in his face. Then, while the guy was using his hands to wipe the drink from his eyes she kneed him in the balls. Then she apologized. Not to him, but the people whose table she had taken the drink from. When she got back to our table I asked her what had happened. The asshole told me that I'd been giving him a boner all night. That he told me he had a 9-inch dick that he just knew I would love and asked me to leave with him. I guess you saw my answer to him. She waved a waiter over and had him take a round of drinks to the table she had taken the drink from. A couple of minutes after that manager of the place came up to and requested we leave and do our drinking somewhere else. Luckily he didn't tell us we couldn't come back some other time. Once in the car Paulin said she didn't feel like going anywhere else so we headed home. On the way I asked her why she hadn't just walked away from the guy rather create a scene. Not my style lover. Not the way I'm wired. You should know that by now. I don't bottle things inside me. I don't quietly walk away. And then spend the next week or two saying to myself you shaved done this or asking myself why I didn't do this or why I didn't do that. Another time we were on a week's vacation and we were at Jacksonville, Florida and we were at the beach. Paulin was wearing a bikini and we were sitting on a blanket soaking up sunshine. There were two guys sitting on a blanket about 10 feet from us. They had been next to us for maybe three hours or so and Paulin commented on the fact that every time she looked their way they were looking at her. I laughed and said, of course they are. You are the hottest looking woman on this beach. If you don't want guys looking at you cover that 38DX24 by 34 body with a muumu. She got up and walked over to them and asked is it me you are looking at or is it just my tits. I thought she expected them to hem and haw in embarrassment. But one of them said, you of course although your tits do look spectacular. You think so she asked as she took off her bra. Took her left breast in her hand and looked at it and then did the same with the right and then said I always thought they should be a little bigger. Then she turned and walked back to me as the two sat there slightly stunned and wondering at what had just happened. Once back to me she sat down on the blanket, put her bra back on. As she did I said, you do realize when those two finish telling everyone they know about what you just did there will be so many guys here tomorrow to see if it will happen again we might not even be able to find enough space to spread our blanket and sit down. I'm sure they will make room for us. They will have to or we will have to leave and I'm sure they won't want that. Just a couple on instances to give you an idea of why I didn't react in outrage at Paulin's statement that all it cost me was a blow job. My Jesus Christ Paulin, what have you done now got me the following. Garvey had been trying to get in my pants ever since he was put in charge of my department. I kept pushing him away so he decided to force the issue. He managed to set things up so it looked like I had stolen $1,800 from the company. He called me into his office, told me he had discovered the theft and would bury it if I was nice to him. When I asked what he meant by being nice to him he laughed and told me that I damned well knew what he meant. He pushed his chair back, unzipped, took out his cock and told me I could start by giving him a blowjob. I had to buy some time so I told him no and before he could say anything I told him I wouldn't do it during business hours when the place was full of people and there was a chance someone could find out. He grumbled a bit and accepted it, but then said we could skip the blowjob and go to the main event. He told me the couch in his office was a pull-out sofa bed and we would do it right there in the office. Again I told him no. 
I told him I was off the pill since you and I were trying to start a family. I told him he would have to wait until the next day to give me a chance to go home and put my diaphragm in. He told me he would use a condom and I said condoms were known to break and besides, I liked my sex skin on skin. He smiled at that and told me to be in his office at 5.15 because everyone should be gone by then. I did a walkthrough to make sure everyone was gone and then I went to his office. I'm not going to describe the blow job, but before, during and after I asked him why me when there are five single girls in the office and why he had gone to the all the trouble of setting me up for a fake theft. I asked him how he could be so sure that upper management wouldn't believe me when I denied it and told them you had faked it just to get in my pants. He told me that doing a married woman was a bigger turn on than tapping a single woman and that all the times I had rebuffed him only made him want me more. He told me he finally realized the only way he was going to get me was to set me up. He told me how easy it was to fake the theft and pin it on me. As far as upper management was concerned he laughed and asked me whom did I expect them to believe. A manager who had been with the company for over 20 years and had an unblemished record or someone who had only been with the company for a little over 3 years. The real reason I told him I wouldn't do it while anyone else was in the office was because I needed time to get back to my desk and get that little tape recorder that I had for taking notes. It has a lapel microphone and I set it up to tape everything that happened in Garvey's office. I thought he might be just smart enough to check me out to see if I was wearing a recording device on me so I had it in my purse with the mic taped to the handles of the purse. He didn't even think of checking me. The recorder in my purse caught everything that Garvey said. On the way home I stopped at Office Depot and bought another recorder and a half a dozen tapes. I copied the tape I'd made in Garvey's office onto the tapes I'd bought and the next morning I went to the boss's office. I told Mr. Lewis what Garvey had done and then played him the tape. Of course by then I was so paranoid that I had both of the recorders with me, one to play the tape from Garvey's office and the other to tape my meeting with Mr. Lewis. Mr. Lewis asked me what I was going to do and I told him I hadn't seen an attorney yet so I didn't know what was going to happen. The only thing I knew for sure is that Garvey's wife was going to get a copy of the tape. Then he told me he would rather I'd not see an attorney. He said if it got out it could hurt the company's reputation and cost it business. He said he would rather handle it in-house and then asked me what it would take for me to forget about the matter. I told him I had no idea and that's why I was going to see an attorney. Then I told him that I obviously couldn't work there anymore and that I hoped he understood and wouldn't hold it against me because I wouldn't be giving two weeks notice and would give me a decent reference. He asked me why I thought I couldn't work there anymore and I told him I wouldn't be comfortable working around Garvey. He told me Garvey would be gone before lunch and then he asked me to give him a day or two before doing anything including holding off on sending Garvey's wife a copy of the tape and I told him I would. Maybe an hour later Garvey walked through the office carrying a box and as he passed my desk he called me a bitch. Actually he called me a fucking bitch but he kept on walking. At 10 o'clock break the break room was alive with the news that Garvey had resigned, cleaned out his desk and had let the building. The general co-conscious was good riddance. That afternoon just before quitting time Mr. Lewis's secretary called me and told me Mr. Lewis wanted to see me in his office. When I got there he told to have a seat and then he told me he had called around and found out what would likely happen if I got an attorney. He said it wasn't likely that I would get anything from the company since Garvey was not in a supervisory role over me and no one in upper management had any knowledge of what was happening between Garvey and me. A suit against Garvey would likely get me in the neighborhood of 100,000, but it was unlikely that I would be able to collect much of it since Garvey wasn't that well off. Then he told me that he was prepared to offer me 100000 if I would just let things go away. I told him I had no intention of going after the company, 
I said all I intended to do was make Garvey's life a living hell, and that's when he told me that the offer wasn't to keep me from suing the company. It was for me to leave Garvey alone. It was for me to not sue Garvey, and to not send a copy of the tape to Garvey's wife. His reasoning was if Garvey's wife sued for divorce the reason for it would come out and human nature being what it was people might think that sort of behavior was going on at the company. And that could in turn cost the company business. In effect what he was trying to do was buy my silence. Then I asked if the offer includes giving me a glowing letter of reference when prospective employers called and he asked me why. That he didn't intend to let me go. I asked him how he expected me to be able to work there when it got out that the company had to buy me off and he told me no one would ever know. It would be between just the three of us, me, him, and his wife who was the company's CFO. I said I still wouldn't feel right taking money from the company instead of Garvey. He asked me what I would do with the money if I sued Garvey, one, and then managed to get the full amount from the suit. I told him I'd buy you a new truck and me a new car and then bank the rest for a vacation fund. He asked how about instead of money he gave me a new truck, a new car and a two-week cruise of my choice and threw in a promotion. I was still hesitant and said it still didn't seem right to take his offer when it was Garvey who should be taking the hit. He told me I should look at it as taking one for the team, that leaving Garvey alone was benefiting the company, and the company was rewarding me for it. Bottom line is that I let him talk me into it. The company bought the truck and it is in the company's name and the company has plated and insured it. The deal is that you put a couple of thousand miles on it, and then the company will sell it to you for a dollar. Same deal on my car. Put some miles on it and then the company will sell it to me for one dollar. What new car? The Mustang convertible waiting at the dealership for me to pick up. You can drive me to get it in your new truck. Why are you looking at me like that? You sucked another man's cock. I had to baby. It was the only way I could think of to get him on tape admitting that he had set me up for stealing from the company. If I hadn't got that tape I would have been fired at the very least and I would never have been able to get another job because wouldn't be able to pass a background check. And there was a damned good chance I could have gone to jail. A simple blow job seemed to be a pretty small price to pay to make all that go away. I suppose I should have gone ballistic on her for cheating on me. But then was it really cheating? I decided to just let it go. Free and clear. Yep. When do you want to pick up your Mustang? How about right now? The dealership will be open for another hour or so. And on the way we can talk about where we want to go on the cruise.